0: Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: When you need to know what's happening, it's time to get In the Huddle with Carl Duke, Brian Baldinger, and Jason LaCanfora. Welcome back to another edition of In the Huddle, but I'm solo. Carl Dukes put them up. Of course, on this podcast, my man Brian Baldinger, Jason Lockhart-Ford is a part of this podcast as well, and we invite you to subscribe. We put new episodes out, usually on Tuesday and Thursdays, guys. Some vacation stuff has been going on, and obviously, we've been kind of getting all of our ducks in a row, getting ready for the upcoming draft, but we will have you covered leading up to the draft at the end of the month. couple things on my mind today that I want to discuss. First and foremost, Aaron Rodgers. Now, the Jets have signed Aaron Rodgers' former backup, Tim Boyle, to a one-year deal. And people are asking, oh, what's this mean? It doesn't mean anything. They need quarterbacks in that room, and they need guys that have a a knowledge and a know-how to play the position. They still want Aaron Rodgers. And the big question is, guys, when is this going to happen, right? What is the timetable for this to happen with Aaron Rodgers? To be quite honest with you, here's the bigger question. How long is Aaron Rodgers going to play? If Aaron Rodgers is committed to playing for three years, this is a simple deal. The deal can be uh, done by both teams. They know exactly what they're getting. But the reality is Aaron may end up in a dark room next year and somehow come out with the revelation that he doesn't want to play anymore. And then where are the Jets? After one season, you've given up maybe multiple first or future first-round picks for a guy that's only going to be there for one season? That's a lot to ask. So the real question is not when, because it will happen, But what is the compensation for the amount of time that Aaron is perceived to want to play? And once that's figured out, okay, because they've already met uh, Woody Johnson and Robert Sala and all these guys, they've already gotten together and they all, and they love each other and, oh, you're going to be a Jet and this is going to be great. What's the compensation? That's really what the holdup is. And I need to know from Aaron Rodgers what the commitment is. The problem is, I don't think Aaron knows. I mean, let's be honest, the last three seasons, we haven't known what Aaron wanted to do. And he forced the Packers' hand to pay him, and and deservingly so. Listen, he was the MVP. He didn't win that this year. But the fact is, the last few years, his performance dictated the terms. So he could kind of hold them hostage and say, hey, I'm not doing this unless. But that is really what the holdup is. So. As far as them signing Tim Boyle, it means nothing. They may sign another quarterback and have some arms in camp at the end of the day. But this is all about waiting on A.A. Ron and seeing where he's going to go and how long he wants to play. Now, there are a lot of rumors out there also about maybe the 49ers getting involved, uh, being another possibility. I still think it's the Jets. Or nothing. I I really do. I still think that is where this is going to go. And it's all about compensation. Meanwhile, uh, Baldy was talking about this. uh, And matter of fact, we ask you, you know, we tell you all the time, check out all the podcasts you can go back, scroll through, listen and check them out. And Baldy was saying the same thing about this because uh, we are both on the same page. This is not about Aaron not wanting to go or reneging or any of that. This is simply about the Packers saying, what are we getting in return? And the Jets saying, what do we want to give up, knowing that he doesn't necessarily want to play that much longer? That's that's the key. And once that happens, this deal will happen, and Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet. That's what I believe. And then we'll move forward, and we'll start talking about what that team looks like. And are they really just one piece away, like a lot of people believe? Uh, yeah, I got my master's hat on today, by the way. I'm a big golfer, big golf guy, watching all the master's. And uh, I hope you enjoy golf as well. It's a great sport. If you've never played and you're like, oh, I, I, I can't do it, you got to get into it. And I would suggest that if you ever get a chance, and it's hard, that you uh, go to the Masters at least one time. It's it's an amazing event. It's almost like you walk in and you're in another world when you get through the gates at the Masters. So representing the Masters today and all weekend long. It's Carl Dukes. It's in the huddle. Let's chop up a couple of other things While we're talking about the NFL, guys, and that is Tyreek Hill came out (laughs) yesterday uh, and literally said that he is going to retire after playing only for 10 years. Okay, and his contract is up in 2025. Now, I just want to go through this for a second because Tyreek Hill, he won a Super Bowl with the Chiefs. And for him to chase the money, which is really what this was, right? I mean, the Chiefs weren't going to pay him. They love him. He's a great dude, but they were like, go get your money somewhere else. And he did, and he went to Miami. But remember, it was a four-year deal for $120 million, $25 million signing bonus for Tyreek Hill, $72 million guaranteed, and an annual salary of $30 million. Tyreek Hill doesn't need to play past 2025. And the real thing for me is, this is not... Not something that I don't think is going to be uncommon as we move forward. Listen, the salary cap continues to go up; the money goes up for everybody, and for a guy like Tyreek Hill, if he's to quit at, in 2025, he'll be 32 years old, 32 at wide receiver. You can't run that fast forever, and if you've made that kind of money, this is this isn't six, seven, eight million dollars, which is still a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. But this is game-changing money. He doesn't ever have to play again if he doesn't want to. So, again, I don't think he sees the entire contract. Maybe he does. Maybe he sees all of this money at the end of the day because on the back end in 2025, you know, there is, there is an out. And then in 2026, and then he would become an unrestricted free agent in 27. But I don't know if he plays or, or sees all of this money. At the end of the day, even if he does, my point is this is going to be the norm. And the reason why is – why would i play and put all of that harm on my body for 11, 12, 15 years if i could get in and make this kind of money within the first 10 years which is really what we're talking about right you get drafted let's just say you're a first round pick that that is usually a four to five year deal and depending on picking up your you know your fifth year option and then your next deal which is the big one usually that's the one that pays you especially if you've performed in your rookie deal Within nine or years or ten years, I'm out. What, what do I need to continue to play for? So I think guys are looking at this differently. They understand the punishing um, toll that this game has on on your body. And I'm with Tyreek Hill on this. Now, the interesting thing is, people are like, okay, so what you going to do? I'm going to do whatever the hell I want to do. I'm tw- I'm 32 years old, and he said yesterday, which this is interesting, he wants to get into the to into the gaming space. So he says, I really want to get in the gaming space. I really want to get a huge, uh, get huge in that area. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm using my platform to create a gaming team, which is going to be launched later. It hasn't been launched yet. And uh, he says, maybe by the end of the month. And then I'm just going to sign different content creators and different athletes. And I've just been working on that with different sponsors. That sounds fun. I mean, I'm not mad at Tyreek Hill if that's what you want to do. Again, if you got... 50 or $70 million in the bank. And I'm just, you know, guesstimating. Who cares? How much, how much longer do you really need to play if you're making that kind of money? So Tom Brady is the exception to the rule. He's also a quarterback, which they're protected like no other player on the field. So if you wanted to play that long, you absolutely could extend your career if you really want to do it. But a wide receiver or a left tackle or an edge rusher, if I'm making this kind of money and I might be stepping away within a 10 year period. And I think this is going to become something that we see more of in the NFL, simply because the money, the money is greater than it's ever been. And I don't need to stay. You know, I've had this conversation with baseball players and baseball is a different world, right? I mean, you play 162 games, but the toll on your body is not that of the NFL, but guys have said, look, why would I stick around and play 15, 20 years? Which is why some of these baseball milestones are never going to be broken. When I can play 10 years, right, and my first contract, you know, my first big contract is $350 million, and it may be for 10 years, but we know guys opt out. We just saw that with Manny Machado. Three years in, I'm going to get some more money. So you do that a couple of times. You just don't need to stay as long. And I think the motivation for some guys is I'm going to play because I love it. But a lot of guys are like, look, I've been doing this all my life, and I'm playing this game. To, to make sure that my family is financially secure. Once that happens, I'm out. There's no reason for me to continue. And that's what I think you're seeing with Tyreek Hill. It's Carl Dukes. It's in the huddle, guys. Put him up. My man, Brian Baldinger, and of course, Jason Lock on 4. We all get together. We chop it up. We will have guests on leading into the draft and certainly after the draft. Now, the reason why I say that is a lot of teams are being very hesitant right now about their draft st- strategies uh, we're talking to people behind the scenes, but a lot of these guys, they don't want to be on, be on camera, right? They don't want to be on a podcast saying, yeah, we're thinking about because they're trying to keep all of that under the table. But once we get past all of that, Baldy and I will be bringing you a lot of different guests on the, on the show and leading into the offseason and certainly OTAs and training camp. And then before you know it, it's going to be September. and We're going to be right back in the mix of things. And we love the NFL. All right. Um, here's something else that's going on that I got to get into. And it's, it's John Elway. Elway, uh, his contract basically wasn't renewed, okay? He was a consultant for the Broncos, which technically means now that Elway's tenure with the Broncos is done. And I got to tell you, if you're of a certain age and you saw John Elway play, it was amazing. Amazing. Um, John Elway probably should have won four Super Bowls. Seriously. Um, Some people say, you know, he could have won five, but we know the two he won. And we know that, you know, he went to numerous Super Bowls prior to winning those two because of his greatness. So it was announced that he is going to no longer be involved with the organization. And he became the general manager in 2011. But I think this is the thing that we have to think about, because some people say, oh, well, his, his tenure there was kind of uneven. No, it wasn't. John Elway did exactly what he was supposed to do. He came in. And by the way, I think it's even harder when you are a legendary NFL MVP quarterback like this. Because a lot of times it's hard to evaluate the talent because you've been so good. This is why great players normally are bad managers. This is why great players are normally bad executives because you've been so great. You just expect a lot of guys that you might pick or go after to kind of get it like you did. And it just, that, that greatness isn't in everybody. So Elway, he drafts Von Miller, okay? This is while he was a general manager. Um, Obviously, Von Miller was the Super Bowl MVP. That was the second pick of the 2011 draft. Later, he goes out. He convinces Peyton Manning, which I don't think was hard, to come to Denver. And we know what happened there. They played in two Super Bowls, um, and they won one. And in his tenure as general manager from 11 2011 to 2015, the Broncos won five straight AFC West titles. He did his job. In the meantime, what happened is Elway brought in, um, you know, another general manager. I'm trying to remember uh, who it was and gave him the duties to take over the general manager as he kind of stepped up and and went into the front office. Um, But at the end of the day, it was George Patton. At the end of the day, I don't think that John Elway should be looked at or remembered anything less than a Super Bowl champion and a great general manager when he was there. Listen, these jobs, when you start talking about picking players and getting the right guys, the hardest part is always getting the quarterback. When Elway was able to convince Peyton Manning to come in and and be the quarterback, obviously you saw it happen. Now Patton has gone out and he has acquired Russell Wilson. That didn't work last year. We're going to see if it works because he's now hired Sean Payton, and we're going to see if it works this year. But for John Elway, he doesn't need to do anything else in football ever. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's a Hall of Famer. He's the only. First, the only man to win a Super Bowl as a general manager and a player. John Elway's been amazing. And I I don't know if anybody could look at this differently and say, well, yeah, but he did this, this and this. You're going to screw some of this stuff up as you move along. But you want to be more right than you are wrong. I think Elway was more right than wrong during his tenure as the Broncos, uh, not only the quarterback, but also as the general manager. So, Congratulations to John Elway. He's stepping away. Uh, he's been consulting. Listen, it's time. And they have new management there. They have new ownership. So we'll see what they do and how this moves forward. But he'll always be connected to the Denver Broncos. That's never going away. And as far as the day-to-day stuff and you know him chiming in on certain things, it's time for a new voice. And we'll see where the Broncos end up going uh, as they move forward. Hey, last but not least, I want to mention Eric DaCosta. Hi, Eric. What are you guys doing? What are the Ravens doing? So Eric DaCosta comes out and says that there are more than four guys in this draft that who uh, that can significantly um, can be significant NFL quarterbacks. I want to state it right, like he said.
0: Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Here's the problem. So yesterday, maybe two days ago, the Ravens are holding their press conference to talk about Lamar Jackson, okay? Check that. They didn't want to talk about Lamar Jackson. They're holding their press conference to talk about the draft. And as a matter of fact, their PR staff jumped in when someone asked a question about Lamar Jackson and they were like, oh, wait a second, wait a second. We're only talking about the draft. Hello, you can't talk about the draft unless you talk about the Lamar situation. Listen, I know everybody thinks and believes that Lamar is done. I've said it. Baldy said it. Jason Lockham Thor has said it on this podcast. With everything that we know, we just don't believe that you can mend those fences. So the reality is that Lamar could be in Baltimore under the franchise tag and playing for $32 million next season. He could. It's not out of the realm of possibility if nobody comes out with an offer sheet after the draft, which is when I think this is going to happen. I do not think it's going to happen before the draft. And, and he can end up being back there. But let's not fool ourselves, Eric, about I'm not going to talk about what Lamar's situation is compared to how we're looking at this draft. You don't have a quarterback. So they go hand in hand. I have to know where you're at with Lamar or what the situation is as we look forward to the draft and what you might be thinking. So this is the quote from Eric DaCosta as he had the press conference the other day talking about Jackson's, you know, uncertainty and whether or not they are looking at adding a quarterback regardless. OK, so he's saying, listen, whether Lamar's back or not, or whether he's, he leaves, has it changed your position on how you're looking at the draft? And DaCosta said, I don't think we really are. We go into every draft trying to take any kind of bias out. Any kind of need-based situation out of the draft equation? Sure you do. We really do try to build broad, a broad uh, board, that is, uh, that, that's the really the best player available. And all GMs say that. He goes on to say the process involves really nine months, starting in early August when our scouts go out on the road and they generate the profile and evaluations. They get as much information as possible. And then we segue into a set of meetings in December. He's laying out the process. And then he says... And then we get into meetings in January and the all-star games and all those different things to assess the player's va- value and, and see what we think about it. It's really just comparisons on how these players stack up. Who do we think has the best chance to come in and make us the best football team? If that's a quarterback, this is Eric DaCosta, general manager of the Ravens. If that's a quarterback, if it's a receiver, if it's a corner or an offensive tackle, we're going to look very strongly and make the best decision we can knowing that over time. We think when building a team, best player is the right way to go. Hmm. Okay. I don't think that is necessarily true. I hear general managers say it all the time. Okay. I hear it all the time. But when you have certain positions that you've already invested financially in, and you've got, let's just say a Pro Bowl player, an all pro type player, You're not drafting that position, (laughs) okay? You're going to tell me, let's just say, for example, all right, let's just say Kansas City Chiefs, and they've got Patrick Mahomes, right? And when it comes time for them to draft, and this won't happen because all the quarterbacks will be gone, but hypothetically, if there was a quarterback there, okay, when they draft, are you willing to tell me that Kansas City Chiefs would draft a quarterback if he was the best player on the board? They're not. They're not. And so when I hear general managers say this, I always take it with a grain of salt. The the, the best player available makes you feel really good as a fan when they tell you those things because you're going, man, we're going to get the best player available. Well, if you got a left tackle and you got an edge rusher and you got a great corner, guess what? They might not take those positions. Corners are always different because you can never have enough of them. But if you've invested $25 million in your left tackle and you're going, well, we're going to take the best player available and the best left tackles on the board when your team drafts, Are they going to take that left tackle? It all depends on situation and circumstance. Is that left tackle 10 years into the league? Is that left tackle injury plagued? Is that left tackle possibly on the the tail end of a deal that you know he might not be there next year? That may cause them to draft him. But if you have a guy in his prime who's making top dollars, usually teams are not going to draft that particular position. And so when I hear Eric DaCosta lay this out, and it's great. I mean, listen... He's been doing it a long time. He understands. He talks about the evaluation. And I agree with all of what he's saying. All of that happens. There's no doubt. It's a process throughout the year. But when you get to the end and you start talking about, we're not looking specifically at certain things, you're lying. You don't have a quarterback right now. And you don't know if Lamar's going to be back. And if Lamar is back, great. But if he's not, You've got to go and find another quarterback. And if you've not done that in free agency, the only way you're going to do it is in the draft. So when he comes out and says exactly uh, that there are four guys, more than four guys in this draft who can be significant NFL quarterbacks, the first three are probably gone, right? Bryce, CJ, Will Levis, or Anthony Richardson, however you want to do it. Is he talking about Hendon Hooker? I mean, who is he talking about? Who are these four guys? Because when you when you guys draft, I don't know who's going to be there, Eric, unless you're going to make a move. We're going to see. Um, the Lamar situation for me has not changed. I still don't think you can mend those fences. I don't care um, what's said at this point. It gets back to you've had all this time to do a deal, and you didn't do it. And now you franchise tag me and basically said, I am worth this amount, not this amount. I don't know. I, I don't think you can mend that. And so however this plays out, I do not think Lamar sits out. People have asked me that question. Just does he sit up? I do not think Lamar sits out, but I do think that things will will speed up and and we will get something done as we get past the draft. Just because I think teams are focused in on that. And then if you're talking about giving up a 24, 25 pick, um, first rounder, you know, because you have to do that with him being franchised, so be it. Like teams, because what's gonna happen in the draft is teams are not gonna get the guy they want. And then they're going to reevaluate and say, okay, is it worth in the NFL trading for Lamar and getting a guy that, that has this kind of pedigree and experience versus us going with some bump, you know? So Uh, Yeah, at the end of the day, I I just believe that that's what's going to happen. We will see. It's in the huddle, guys. Carl Dukes with you, just hanging out for a quick hitter. I had a couple of things I wanted to get off my chest, and we will be back next week. Baldy will join me. We'll put new episodes out next week, and we're going to start building towards the draft, talking about specific teams, divisions, who's got pressure on them, all those different things. So make sure you subscribe today to In the Huddle. Hey, enjoy the Masters, and we'll talk to you next week.